to this week's episode of The Last Refuge. I'm your friendly neighborhood dungeon master, DM Jazzy Hands, and with me I have... Vizdira. Kit. Bria. And Flick. <laughs> what? Last week, the party gained the support of the world below. At least officially. Members of that community are going to work with the Enclave to identify volunteers and organize efforts. Meanwhile, our adventurers headed back out to meet up with Fiona and finally figure out what her big surprise is. Ever elusive, of course, Fiona wasn't there when the party arrived at the Eastern Islands node, but the Necroman was. He showed them the surprise Fiona had waiting, an incomplete clone body that will allow someone, a one-party member, a useful ally, or just a friend, to return to life after death. Mostly. Finally, the party thought to ask the Necroman about the prophecy or any other information he may have regarding the history of the world, and he seemed very ready to spill some tea. What does the Necroman know? Will it be helpful? Or is the party about to be treated to a 45-minute excerpt from an ancient lich's personal memoirs? Let's find out. Hey, y'all. <laughs> oh, wow. What a treat. <laughs> what a treat. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> I think it would. Would it, though? Because I'm not actually prepared. for. It's going to be used. Spoiler alert. Some of it will probably be useful. Um, how we doing? <laughs> Good. I have spent the past two hours wondering what it was you were going to say in the last intro. Don't remember. <sighs> I think it was probably I was going to transition into a starting point in that session that yeah. then I was like, oh, actually, that's not where I want to start. It was I think it was something that was like a logistical thing. I, I don't think, think it was, was like that an like, end gamey like, OK, so we're almost at the end game. What are we going to do? Oh, that's what it was. I was about to make a comment about how like we're almost at the end. But I I knew that I was going to want to use that in this episode. But now we've talked about it. So I guess I can't use it in this episode either. <laughs> Everything is terrible, is what I'm saying. Taryn so, um, ruins what? all of your plans. <laughs> Taryn ruins everything is a really hilarious spinoff to Adam ruins everything. Mm. But Taryn's version is what? How is yours different? Wait, I, I like have, this game. Well, Only I don't TTRPG know what... related, <laughs> and, <laughs> I... and all wrong in that case. <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen that. Seen it. But I have a thing, I call myself Too Far Terran often. It's my <laughs> magical superpower, yeah. which is that I always bring a conversation a little bit too far. I ask a question that's a little too personal, or um, my husband has like a quote unquote clock. So like if we're hanging out with friends or whatever, he'll like look at the clock and be like, oh, it's only been an hour. Terran's already bringing up death. Um, so anyways, Too Far Terran. Yeah. Can confirm. Yeah, sounds right. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> so what TV are we watching? No, I don't know. We just gotta, we somehow <laughs> need to get out of it now, because otherwise we will be stuck here. Are we, are we diving in? Or are we talking are about we? TV? It's awful early. We can talk about TV. We can talk about TV well, or a book or how you're, oh, you have something. Well, I, I think we were talking about it before we started recording, but I, I think I'm oh. going to audition for The Circle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I really want to be on the show. We have talked about this show before, and I love that Alex is now a convert to it. I am. So here's here's what I'm saying right now on the air for our listeners to hear. If you 
do in fact apply for the show, Alex. We have to tweet about it from the TLR account. Right. And all y'all listeners, you gotta go on Twitter and you gotta tweet at the circle and at Netflix and, and like, tell yeah. them they have to mm-hmm. pick Alex. That's true, that's true. Yeah. Don't do it now though, because he hasn't applied yet and they're gonna forget about it and be distracted yeah. and it's not gonna work. So don't do <laughs> yeah. it yet. Mm-hmm. So when the when our show is over, just keep following <laughs> us is what we're saying. Right. We'll keep tweeting. There will definitely be... I mean, look, I don't know what we're all doing next, but I do feel like the TLR conglomerate is not done creating mm-hmm. content, so... Yes. Uh, right? This has to happen. And actually, I feel like the universe is trying to communicate with you that it does have to happen because I have now seen several, like, childhood friends or friends of friends who are, like, I guess on this new season of Big Brother that's been, like, showing up and everybody's talking about it. So I feel like that's, like, people that I don't care about, but it's like, hey, Taryn, you should notice this so that Alex knows he needs to apply. That show is still on. Yeah. It's Yeah, what cycle are they on at this point? 642 or something wild. I have also never watched it, but because I follow Survivor people on Twitter, Mm -hmm. I get a lot of Big Brother content. I believe it's 24. Jesus. Oh, that's actually less than I was expecting because I remember watching Big Brother in college and being like very into it for a, a cycle or two. Yeah, I just remember seeing ads for it yeah <laughs> me neither to be honest I, I don't understand i watched a little bit of real world never really watched road oh rules my God. and that was about the extent of my real things. okay but did you watch real world v road rules i would, i would catch spurts of that i think i remember watching when uh puck was on and then i think i had stopped after oh, that because puck. yeah Shit. that i'm we aging don't. myself there i was just gonna say in case anyone was curious how old lydia yeah. and i are hey uh, uh, karen <laughs> you remember richard hatch no i never watched season one of survivor i know shocking <laughs> shocking <laughs> But she knew what you were talking about. I know who he is, of course. Uh Yeah, I've never seen season one. Is that the only season you haven't seen? No, I I actually have quite a few uh, gaps in my Survivor viewing history. I know, I know. I think this has to be our segue into the game, because otherwise Taryn's going to lose (laughs) something drastic. I just, our relationship was built upon something (laughs) really special. I've seen a lot. <laughs> it's really the early seasons that is like the biggest gap in in my survivor knowledge. Okay. Cut to a, a confessional video of Taryn being like, I don't think Karin has been honest with me this entire time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like on Survivor. Karin is Fiona. Actually, speaking of, this might be a good tie into the game. I think because I'm me, that um, the Alglorp isn't telling us everything, which I think is pretty obvious. But also, I think that the Alglorp might be tied to the Beast somehow, because like two or three episodes ago, you said, and then the Beast says, oh, I mean the Alglorp. And the way that you said it, I was like, oh, shit. So... God forbid I ever misspeak in Karen's <laughs> presence. <laughs> ever. Yes. Nah. I don't even know if that misspeak got into the final episode, to be honest. It did. It did. That's oh, it where did? I was listening oh. to it. Yeah. So you definitely left it there on purpose. Also, I can see Robert's face right now. So I was watching him the whole time I was saying that. <laughs> I can't so... even defend myself because I'm trying so hard to not give anything away, right uh-huh. or wrong. So I uh-huh. can't even defend myself properly. It's just been a long time since I had like a healthy dose of not trusting you. So I figured I needed to find something. Throw that in there. <laughs> God. All right. Well, oh, let's God. make sure that you can't trust me even more. 
more by telling you the Necroman's stories. Let's hop in. Sorry. Oh, God, it was rough. <laughs> it, but it's okay. Last week, I couldn't even get the one. So it's okay. Yeah, yeah, fuck you. I was like, I was like I'm tired. <laughs> All right, let's do it. So at the end of last week, uh, you all asked, uh, you explained the your most recent prophecy flick to the necroman. Bria showed her sketches, mostly of small birds, free of any other context. Um, and <laughs> I'm gonna roll for this. Go fuck yourself. Okay, okay, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Just the how big her two. eyes got. Just Please, now. Yeah, it is an episode two. Please crit fail. Please. Uh, I have proficiency in it, so it's a twenty. Fuck. A dirty twenty. You didn't crit fail though, right? I did not. No, I would have told you that. Oh, wait, no, it's a 21. No, it's a 21. Ugh. I am my player's biggest fans, but sometimes that it does include rooting for them to fail. Um, <laughs> wow. All right. So, yeah, they're, uh, it's a nice illustrated tale. That nice? Tell. They're beautiful? It's a, fa- it's a beautiful <laughs> illustrated tale <laughs> that you tell. Is it a flip book? It is oh a flip God. book, yes. and I would like okay. to... sell. <laughs> out of control. Out of control. I'm, I'm in hell. <laughs> I would like to repeat to you my personality trait, ideals, bonds, and flaws. Oh my god, please do, because I was reminded of this not too long ago, and it's incredible. Please read them. She still has her original sheets out. Lord have mercy, child. <laughs> Six years. Uh, my personality trait, which doesn't, like, it's not that, you know. Fine, we'll skip that one, um, because I don't actually do it. I have a proverb no. for every occasion. Wouldn't that have been no, fun don't. if I would have stuck with that? <laughs> oh, Wouldn't that have been fun? Um, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll tie that into the last season. Um, <laughs> ideals. I work very hard to be the best that there is at my craft, so... Mm-hmm. And by your craft, you mean everything. Uh, my drawings, cartography. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. My bond is I created a great work for someone and found them to be unworthy to receive it. I've been looking for someone who's worthy. Who's it gonna be? We're gonna find out soon. Oh, one season left. My flaw. You're already married to a (laughs) twerp. We didn't get married. We decided it just wasn't gonna work. Sorry. Nuge and I just couldn't make it happen. It was got too awkward. Um, And then my flaw is I'm horribly jealous of anyone who can outshine my handiwork. Everywhere I go, I'm surrounded by enemies. So that one, I'm fucking stuck with that one. (laughs) Whether that's Bria or just Taryn, who's to say? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you all gave a beautiful six-part animated series about the prophecy. Excellent. Um, Fully produced. It's on Amazon Prime. There's music. It's a musical. Thank Where's God. the music? It's it's the bar. It has to be a musical. <laughs> has to be. All right, the Necroman wants to spill tea. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Can I say that Bizdira's just like crawled into the sarcophagus with the clone and is like sleeping, <laughs> oh, cuddling up with this like amorphous body shape? Um, I love it. All right, so it's like the boyfriend pillow. Oh just God! No. <laughs> Proceed. So the Necroman <laughs> oh, said something along the lines of, "I remember." Much of that. Where to begin? And we'll start with if you all have any particular questions, either about the prophecy. You all know that the that the necroman has been around since the last age, which means he was around for the beast. Um, you don't really know anything else about him. So, are there any particular specific questions um, that you all want answers to? Yeah, go for it, Bizdir. Is the beast a giant capybara? Is the beast a giant worm? Um, I think he doesn't answer immediately and looks at Kit and Flick like 
y'all got ideas? Of anything? <laughs> exactly. yeah, well, I was like, do I do I just repeat the question? We're like, is the beast a giant blank? Like, just come up with something butterfly, else. Butterfly, like, butterfly. Aww. Butterfly. Okay, so that's flicks. Kits, what's yours? Um, <laughs> she doesn't like this game very giant, much. <laughs> a giant pineapple. I knew you were going to say pineapple. Because I did too because it's behind you. I got a pineapple. There, we got a pineapple in front of me. It was the first thing I saw. That's what we went with, y'all. Incredible. So after you have all stated what you think the beast might be, uh, capybara, worm, butterfly, and pineapple. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't serious. The necromancer says, I actually have no idea what form the creature takes. You see, I was below when he appeared. Here, in fact. And he gestures uh, to the sort of arcot Like, he gestures more broadly than just this room. Uh, and he seems to be sort of taking in the whole of the arc- the ruins of the Arcanium. So did you work here in the Arcanium? He nods and he tells you a tale of how he was an arcanist from before. He tells you some details that you all can confirm from what you know of Firin and her journals and her past and what you discovered on TLR and that island. Um, but you realize that he worked here on the eastern in the Eastern Islands Arcanium, and so his duties were different, right? The keys here, the focuses, the magic focuses here were very different. Um, and he tells you about he was here to study the powers of necromancy that the key has, uh, you know, unlocked for them. He tells you about their research a little bit more even or in more detail than what Firin's journals told you about. He tells you that he feels, he believes that the last cataclysm, which is what he seems to call the, the coming of the beast, um, was, well, first he says his fault, and then he expands to say our fault. He explains to you that in his age, they very quickly discovered that the nodes were connected to each other, but also to the beast, to the cataclysm, to the previous cataclysm, which would be two returns of the beast ago. And so the Arcanists and the building of the Arcaniums The whole purpose originally, before it turned to more generalized magical research, the purpose was to research and control these nodes in an effort to keep the beast from returning, to keep it slumbering. They realized that all of the magic in this world ultimately flowed through these nodes and through what he believes, though he's never seen it, to be a central node. In the, in the middle of the central island, a sort of home node. And what they realized was that all magic in the world flowed through these po- access points and into the center of the world where the beast slumbered. And they hypothesized that it was this flow that kept the beast slumbering. They noticed that on the full moons, when magic became unstable, so too did the nodes. And they noticed that on the null magic days of the year, the nodes would deactivate to a certain extent. And then when they came back, there was more instability. And they concluded that it was the power fluctuations that caused over time the beast to awaken. And so their solution 
was to constantly feed magic into the four nodes so that there was no inconsistency, so that there were no fluctuations, no dips in that power. But they were wrong. It wasn't the fluctuations that awoke the beast. It wasn't the energy and the magic that kept the beast slumbering. Quite the opposite, in some ways. And by adding magic, storing magic in the nodes, and thus giving energy and power to the beast, they actually hastened its return. Which also explains why so much more was lost even though they had the knowledge, they had the forewarning, they had all of those things where they could have planned to preserve so much more, but in their attempts to keep the beast slumbering, they advanced its timetable, and so much was lost. And he doesn't give you a ton of details, but he does explain to you a little bit about what happened to him. In that moment, you all know that there, you know already, because you met Uza and Guard and Rithmala, so you know already that when the beast returned, there was this incredible feedback into each of the four nodes that ultimately heralded the awakening of the beast. In the Western Island, Arcanium, on TLR, that feedback transformed the arcanists that were tied to those keys turned them into the living embodiments of those keys' magic. This arcanist, the ne- that you know as the Necroman, had a slightly different experience. He had begun to understand a little bit more. He'd begun to suspect in the days leading up to the Cataclysm that perhaps what they were doing was actively sort of at odds with their goals. And so he began to try to find an outlet to begin to remove some of the magic or buffer it or something. And in those experiments, he tied himself not only to the key, but to the node, which you also saw him do when you were fighting him. You saw the the key attached to the node and its power was combined, sending out necromantic pulses throughout the entirety of the surface of this island. That's where that process began. And so when the feedback occurred, he siphoned almost all of that feedback through the key and through himself. Which probably explains why there aren't two other fucked up arcanists here hanging around to do weird magic shit for you all, right? He took it all. And he this he does describe to you, this feeling of, of raging torrents of power that he could visibly see flowing out of the node into the key and then into him. And he describes this torrent, this river of magic coming out to him, and he could feel it slacking eventually, draining, emptying. And in the moment before he was annihilated that first time, he felt that the node, for the first time in his memory, was empty. And right before he was destroyed, he felt something shift a barrier or a shield or 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 something even less concrete than that a force almost like a wall of stone collapsing as the node was emptied and then he was destroyed and fortunately for him through the power of the key its annual power is that of the cloning spell he then awoke months later surrounded by destruction 
undead, a lich. He pauses for a minute and takes a mental drink of water because he's been talking telepathically, so his mind throat is dry. Um, <laughs> mind throat. <laughs> mind throat. Yeah, that's a horrible. I'm so sorry to everyone for that. <laughs> Should we be fighting the moon instead of the beast? That's number no. one. <laughs> Good. This is very easy. No. Okay. <laughs> Where did all of the people come from? All the Arcanists, were they from other worlds? I don't know if we know this answer, like, from before oh, or not. Oh, he... So, no. They learned... And he'll explain this to you, but he doesn't... I, I mean, they knew how to travel to other worlds, right? Which you all learned at the Southern Arcanium slash Museum, right? Um, so they, they learned... They figured out how to travel to other worlds. But, uh, you know, he's he was like, no, I mean, we were we were always here. And then he sort of thinks for a moment... And he says, ah, but an interesting point. We know that the cataclysm occurred and that then civilization each time has returned, but not from where. I am quite old, but I was not around for the rebirth of civilization in my age. I cannot say where the sentient races originated from after that calamity. One can only assume that, like the world below on this island, some small number of people escaped the destruction and were able to seed the world anew. How do you feel about us releasing the beast and fighting it? He says, I am of two minds. My current state, I will endure. And so ultimately, I have little stake in the fate of the peoples of this world. On the other hand, though I have accomplished much in this form, my intent was never to become one of the undead, and that part of me that is still human desires revenge. I like that. I like that. Have you been to the other islands? Like, did the Arcanists used to, like, travel back and forth to the islands and, like, have conferences? Some of them did, but he the the key keepers he explains almost never did because they were needed near their nodes. So communication between the key keepers was often magical and telepathic or whatever, and in person conclaves was was left to to the other arcanists. Do you think that the beast potentially collected the power in the nodes? Is that a good way to phrase that? The more power that is put into the node, does that make the beast more powerful? He thinks about it for a while. Uh, and when he thinks it's creepy because at being undead, he doesn't need to like breathe or shift or anything. So it's just complete stillness for extended periods of time. Uh, but eventually he thinks about it and he says, I don't know. I don't believe there is a direct correlation in that way seems more that it seems more that it is the natural flow of magic through the nodes that ultimately causes the awakening but once the beast has awoken it releases a store its own magical stores from the central node the external nodes supercharge it's hard to describe but I don't believe that is the relationship. Do you think that the part of the prophecy about us, quote-unquote, holding each of the keys, when you mentioned that the barrier, you felt like a barrier come down, could that be 
Do you think that that's us using the keys to, uh, like you used your key to siphon the energy to potentially drop the barrier, barriers, so we could use those keys like you did on the node to drop that barrier. Do you think that that's what that part of the prophecy means? It would seem that that is, no, how does it say it? That is as good a theory as any I could formulate at this point. When I siphoned the power, I was actively choosing to pull power into the key and ultimately through myself. The explosion, I think, then occurred in part at least because I was clearly siphoning elemental magic through a necromantic key. Perhaps if you were to siphon earth magic through the earth key, fire magic through the fire key, and so on, those keys could safely contain that power. As to what the barrier was that fell, it may have been a physical barrier allowing access to the central node or the beast. It might be protections of the beast itself. It all happened so quickly, and and the resulting explosion was overwhelming. I wish I had more specific answers for you, but something about elemental magic flowing through elemental keys feels right. Do we need someone physically present casting to use that? Unless you are able to discover some process that we were not in my age. I only know how to actively pull power into a key. So yes, someone would need to physically be there. Someone who's a caster. You have 14 months. Perhaps a non-caster could be trained. Bria sets down her pen and paper. Hey everybody, your friendly neighborhood dungeon master DM Jazzy Hands here with a few mid-show announcements. First of all, if you're enjoying the episode so far, it would be darling of you if you could pop on over to Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever else you get our podcast from and leave us a rating and a review. We'll always read five-star reviews on air as soon as we're able, and we didn't have one for this finale, but we hope to have one for the coming episodes, so leave us those. Yeah! We, of course, want to remind you for one of the last times about our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com slash dnd, last refuge, to get access to all kinds of cool patron perks like early access to certain episodes, including this one, character sheets for the PCs, and much more. And, of course, you will also be supporting multiple other content creators across the Patreon sphere because we got that little Patreon at Forward program going on. Now, this isn't the end of the month, but it is our last episode of the season, and actually it's going to be the last episode of the month, as you'll hear in a moment. So we're going to do the extended thank yous today. Thank you to our Heralds of Denier, Shimmy Gangot, Tanya, and Ark, to our honorary party member Seven, to our Shimmerscale tribe leaders Eugenio, Eliyahu of Merk Grove, Lisa Diane, Mercado Etheridge, and Harmony Bat, and to our Shimmerscale council members Nat Rose, congratulations on your nuptials, Tony A. Ellis, Lucas Hokum, Steffi Bernard, River Daniel, Stephen Mosley, Verpio, Kin, Sam Ellis, Kelsey G, Jay Sprig, Gordon Ross, Sam Rodman, Jabari Bunch, Tanya C. DePass, Adam Mando Wookie, Avari Roman, Shane, Sophia, Lavender Kazi, and Stephen Sikora. 
If you want to get shoutouts on the show and much more, hop on over to patreon.com slash dndlastrefuge and become a patron today. Enjoy D&D video games, but don't have dozens of hours to dump into another giant RPG? Well, have we got the game for you. Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms is a set-it-and-forget-it idle game featuring tons of your favorite characters from Forgotten Realms lore and from contemporary popular D&D stream shows. You can get more information on the game at CodenameEntertainment.com or on Twitter at at IdleChampions. And when you start playing, use the Electrum Chest Codes found every week in our episode notes to get gems, gear, and other power-ups all for free. Enhance your characters and defend Faerun with TLR and Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. We want to thank BattleBards, Scott Buckley, and Kevin McLeod for the music you hear on our show. You can find their collections at BattleBards.com, ScottBuckley.com.au, and in CompTech.FilmMusic.io, respectively. As always, you can, of course, also check the episode notes if you want specific track names, artist names, and links to those tracks. If you ever get adventures, character options, new monsters, or really anything at all from the DMs Guild or from any of the drive through family of websites, be sure to use our affiliate links that you can find on our website or in our episode notes when you shop at those sites so that TLR gets a portion of your purchase. It's like Amazon Smile, but make it D&D. We also want to thank D&D Beyond for their support of our podcast and for being generally amazing in every way possible. If you aren't already a D&D Beyond fan and user, go check out their services at dndbeyond.com. You won't regret it. Fancy a little more last refuge in your life? Dream of waking up to a cup of glorp and a relaxing puzzle sesh with Flick? Or maybe you just want to rep your favorite podcast during your morning run with a TLR t-shirt and water bottle? Well, your dreams can be a reality if you go to bit.ly slash TLR merch store, all lowercase, right now. Our merch store is fully stocked with all sorts of TLR goodness, and we're always on the lookout for ideas for new products. Visit the store, pick something out, and be sure to take lots of pictures and tag us on social media media. Okay, season finale episode announcement time. In the outro later at the end of the episode, I think I say that we don't have any details yet to share about our finale season, season 10, which is not entirely true anymore, so I wanted to share a little bit about what we're planning for season 10. For the next few months, we're going to move to an every other week model for episode releases. The episodes for the next few months are going to be little vignettes, little glimpses into the preparations that the party is working on between now and the return of the beast on their summer solstice next year. The first one of these episodes is scheduled currently, anyway, to be released on Wednesday, August 3rd, and then every other Wednesday after that. Meanwhile, story consultant Robert and I are going to be hard at work making final preparations for the campaign's conclusion. As far as season 10 is concerned, we just, we really want it to be special and exciting. It's almost six years in the making. So we're working out logistics to do all kinds of fun stuff, including hear from many or maybe all of our guest players of old, and we're potentially experimenting with some new types of media. Video episodes in the finale season, anyone? Maybe? Anyway, once we know exactly when Season 10 is going to start dropping, we'll be sure to let everybody know, and that's the plan. We can't thank you all enough for sticking with us and making it through our penultimate season, and we hope to see you on the other side when we begin releasing our very, very special finale Season 10. Holy crap. Okay, I think that's all the announcements I got for you this week. As always, stay safe, stay healthy, fight racism where, when, and however you can. And happy gaming, y'all.
I was going to ask about uh, tagging off of that, really, uh, the elemental keys. You, you say that you can use all of the keys and all of the different types of school of magic to be put into the nodes that feeds into the energy that awakens the beast, correct? I think my ultimate question is, is there a different, is there a reason from what we've seen, the evidence of the beast is all elemental magic. There doesn't seem to be um, uh, outbursts of like enchantment spurting through the ground or whatever, you know, there, these are all like fire elementals, things like that. So is there a reason for that? Why, why are these keys the ones that we have to be focusing on? He answers. And in answering, he tells you another sort of story. But this story is much older than the last cataclysm and his involvement as an arcanist. He begins to tell you a myth, a legend, a fable, that he says scholars from his age piece together from ruins that they found, mostly on the central island. And he thinks that it is the story of the creation of the beast. He tells you a tale of an ancient world before schools of magic had been delineated, when all there was was the power of nature, the power of the elements. And at that time, elemental magic was contained within four great elder beasts. An enormous firebird, a stone turtle, a sea serpent, and a tempest made of clouds and lightning. Do you all recognize, as he begins to describe these elder elementals, that experience you had in a cave on the northern island one night? And pieces begin to fall into place. He tells you of how these elder elementals wreaked havoc around the world constantly. Civilization was hit a a ceiling very early on because these elementals would destroy uh, indiscriminately whenever they pleased. This was not a once a millennia occurrence. And eventually the people of the world banded together because they knew that mortal kind would never truly thrive would maybe not even survive as long as these four elder elementals were free to destroy and fight and decimate the world. And so in an unprecedented and not what is what is unprecedented, but since then, right, hasn't ever happened again since then. Even in the time of the Arcanists, there wasn't this unity of purpose. All of the world's mages of every stripe, came together to capture, to imprison the Elder Elementals. They spent years underground crafting a perfectly formed crystal that could contain the energies of these Elder Elemental beasts. And one day, when all four beasts had collected in the same place to battle each other for supremacy, the mages of the world cast their spell. And one by one, the Elder Elementals were consumed by this crystal. Their physical forms reduced to pure magic, all contained within. And civilization flourished. Mortal kind thrived. But it didn't last. Elemental magic like that is, at its core, chaos. 
It is the chaos that forms the universe. And so even the most learned mages can't fully predict what it will do. And what the mages of that ancient world could never have anticipated was that after centuries and millennia of existing in magic form in that crystal, the Elder Elementals began to combine. And once they had joined forces, their combined power was enough to recreate a single physical form. But that form was said to require so much energy, so much power, enough to sustain four earth-shattering elemental beasts that it spends most of its time slumbering, gaining the energy to awaken, gaining the magic to awaken. And so that is the origin of the beasts. And that is why many ages later, magic was divided into schools, the other keys were created, but the beast is the chaos of the four elements. I flick will look around and be like, didn't we, we had the dream, right? We had that dream that one time mm-hmm. yes. when we were staying in the cave. Yeah, yeah, we dreamed this dream. In time, time go by? <laughs> yeah. It's been a long time since we had a musical theater reference. <laughs> yeah, right? The question that I had, and maybe this is irrelevant, but um, I was curious, what we saw on the southern island was it seemed like likely that, you know, with the coming of the beast, there would be, you know, an elemental catastrophe that was particularly worse on one island, potentially the island that summoned the beast. Um, So I was curious if he experienced that or if he saw some, some remnant of that happening before he perished. Yeah, kind of. So he he tells he he sort of uh, this whole time as you all are asking these specific questions that like further his story. He seems pleased. Uh, maybe he was part bard or something in his life. I don't know. Um, but he latches onto that and and explains that that's what made him begin to realize that they were that the arcanists were wrong, and that's what gave him the impetus to try to do what he did by siphoning the energy. There were. Well, we'll just call them elemental upheavals because I'm not doing it in his voice and that's what we're calling them. There were upheavals all over the world in like the six months or so leading up to the return of the beast, which also goes to show you that like they really were making it worse by feeding energy in because you all are getting 14 months notice. They got six. But he explains to you that he, from what he has heard from Fiona and Octavia and you all about the events that you've seen around the world. It's just the beginning. They're going to keep coming. Each island's node is going to keep being attacked by whatever element it is keyed to. They're going to get worse. And when the beast returns, they do not stop. In fact, a lot of the preliminary destruction on the four islands comes from the elemental upheaval, and then eventually the beast, you know, makes makes its way to each of the islands and, you know, destroys what's left. But but these elemental upheavals are just going to continue to get worse. Did that answer your question? Ish. Um, I don't know if I'm misremembering something. I In my brain, like, when the beast came, one of the four islands experienced, like, something particularly bad, but maybe I just made that up. <laughs> I am never inclined 
to believe that you made something up and are not just remembering something that I don't. The memory that I'm having is connected to that diorama that we saw in the Southern Island. Okay, that's what I thought. And what what probably happened was it showed the central node exploding. Ah, okay. (laughs) That the central node, like, not exploding, but like lit up and whatever. I think that's probably what I was going for. I don't remember how I described it, but I think that's probably what I was going for there. Great. And we can't use the keys to siphon energy in advance. It's that energy will only come out when the beast is released. So, uh, much like with some of the other things, like, he doesn't know because he died before he could try that. He says, like, by the time the elemental upheaval started in the last age, it felt like it was too late. That the power was, you know, sort of doing what it was doing. Enough had collected in the center that, like, turning it off, like, turning the tap off might have given them a little more time. But at that point, it was a foregone conclusion. He doesn't know. With 14 months, he just doesn't know. Right? Because he, he doesn't honestly even know that siphoning would stop the thing from returning. Right? Maybe there's more to it that his empirical study before he was exploded by earth magic, you know, might give more information. He just has no idea. The only concrete information or answer he can give you is, by the time I started trying to do it, it was too late. He also points out that prophecy is not fixed But the fact that you had the vision that you did flick suggests that that sort of point of no return might have already been reached. That's kind of what I assumed. My thought with with the siphoning was more if we could maybe reduce the how bad it was going to be with the elementals on each island if we started siphoning earlier. Oh, Potentially, like said, like you know, he, they only had six months' notice, and he was the only one doing it, and didn't really, you know, all of these things. So potentially, going off of that that point and this like point of um, you know questioning. So I uh, I was just looking at the notes again of the prophecy, and sort of, and maybe this is, this is probably a question for the lich. The way that I, based on this conversation, have been interpreting what we're supposed to do is that we have to yes go and siphon off the elemental magic from you know from the appropriate node and that that will hopefully in theory drop the elemental barriers to get to the center island because what we saw in the prophecy was that we went and we peeled off the petals before we attacked the seed so therefore i think it's less that the siphoning is going to lessen the power of the beast as much as it's going to lessen the protections to get to that seed that is the beast does that make sense it does, and he concurs with you mostly. Okay. He does say that he thinks he doesn't know that the barriers that you're dropping are around the island. Mm. They felt somehow smaller, more specific. He thinks it probably is around either the central node or maybe like the beast's awakening chamber, or he doesn't really actually know if that is a thing that exists. He just like is now making shit up about what what might be going on there in the center, but that it that it's a little more localized okay. than that. The barrier, the what the energy that he felt dropping. Okay. Um one more question about the elements or whatever the elemental uh, keys. Um, based on what he knows about drawing the energy into the keys, just want to confirm we don't have to be attuned to those keys to do it. He he was attuned and had been for many, many years. So he doesn't understand how it would work if you weren't attuned. Okay. But being a former researcher, he does, he, he's not willing to say 
it won't work. But in his experience, that level of control of a key requires... Well, he's only ever been attuned to a key for a long time. Um, so, yeah. I know that's not much of an answer, but unfortunately it's all he's got. Mm-hmm. Going back to the dream that we had, the dream the entire time the people were kind of cheering slash chanting and so was that I am assuming that that then is kind of the illustration of each of them being locked away by the powers of the the people of the world kind of coming together. Yeah, I mean, I I think he actually interrogates you all if you'll let him about the details of of that whatever dream, vision, whatever that was because all, I mean, he tells you this story but it's very much like you know, a legend cobbled together from, like, stone art that they found from ages past. But, but yeah, that's basically sort of his conclusion as he compares his stories to your story, is that probably what you heard and, and experienced was the mages of the world pulling that energy into their central crystal, their central node. How do you feel about getting somebody from the Enclave or something along those lines to attune to the Earth Key and then have those of us attuned to it try to siphon off the power within the next 14 months or so. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in the prophecy, didn't it say that we all had to master one element or am I misremembering that? I don't remember saying that, but I don't remember not saying that. There was something a long time ago about how, like, and again, this could have been on or off air, but, like, about how, like, each of the elements maybe matched one of each of us, which might be, I don't remember what it was, but it was something, like, my brain, and I think in our, like, private text conversations, we're always trying to be like, okay, which key matches the which one of us? Um, And so there was something at some point that we got the idea that one of us, like, each key is right for one of us that we should be assigned. Is everyone else agreeing with that? Or did I make that up in my brain? I feel like this has been a conversation piece, but I don't remember exactly if there was something specific about that in the prophecies. Yeah. At the risk of sounding more flippant than I intend to, I think the necroman sort of says, but you all are not from our world. I don't see how keys could have been constructed for the four of you when you are not of this world. That's a fair point. But a celestial being did bring us here, so... Yeah, not for this purpose. (laughs) Yeah! Yeah, remember that? (laughs) Long way off from that goal. (laughs) Sure, it's fine. Uh, There's still something about a crest of a hill that I have to figure out. I don't fucking (laughs) know. We already (laughs) figured that one out. (laughs) I I don't know. I think that we can... I think that we all wanted to to find meaning in each of us having a specific key but i don't i don't think it's in the prophecy so maybe we give them to the four leaders of the enclave that's what i was just thinking because i think we need to be in the center island and and so i think other people need to have these keys are you ready to give up your fire shield yeah whatever could do it i never use that shit (laughs) i'll find a new key to attune to there's plenty of keys around here (laughs) (laughs) Uh, as long as I have my dagger, it doesn't matter. That is true. So at this point, as you all start to spin off onto plans based on uh, the Necromancer memoirs, um, maybe that's title. the title of this episode. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> is it the Necromancer Diaries? That's what it is. Necromancer Diaries. Oh, perfect. Uh, so as you all start to begin to assimilate that information and, and plan on it, he says, I've spent centuries researching. Learning, creating, 
always wondering if I would get my revenge. The four of you have accomplished much, but what stands out to me is that you accomplished it with each other and with significant help from those around you. And that perhaps is the key. We were never going to be saved by strangers, but we were never going to be saved by ourselves either. So set were we in our ways and our fears. But you four have reminded this world of what we used to be and of the hope of what we could be. I take little joy in anything anymore, undead as I am. But the four of you spark something, and I look forward to accomplishing great things with you and restoring a future to this world so that its people may determine their own fates. It is a gift you bring, and that I, of all people, recognize it speaks volumes of the four of you. And so you plan, you travel, you build, you research, you train, and the next 14 months are busy, full of success and failure. I can guarantee that not everyone that you know makes it to next year's summer solstice, but those that do are as ready as they can be for that last push That last fight, that last effort to change this world's trajectory and allow it to be. And that's where we're going to leave it for this season. (gasps) Ah! I didn't bring my (laughs) tissues. Thanks so much for listening to this season uh, and all of the previous seasons, I guess, if you did, of The Last Refuge. We're going to take a little time to get ready for season 10, our finale season. As of our recording of this episode, I don't have specifics for what that means. Maybe by the time we release this episode, we will. But keep an eye on the Twitter and we'll keep y'all posted. We're hoping to do a few episodes that we release once or twice a month with little glimpses of the progress that is made between the end of this season and the assault on the central island. So keep an eye out for those. Don't unsubscribe from the feed, please. But we are hoping to really make season 10, our final season, special and exciting. So we're going to take a little time to plan, to record, to get it ready for you all. And we'll have it to you as soon as soon as we can. In the meantime, you can reach out to the DLR team by leaving us a podcast review or by dropping us a line on Twitter and Instagram at at DNDLastRefuge. That's at D. The letter N, D, Last Refuge. Sadly, in this finale of our season, I don't have another review to read you. But uh, y'all got y'all got a little while to refill the kitty for future episodes. So start leaving them reviews. In the meantime, you can also email us, of course, at dndlastrefuge at gmail.com. If you want to know more about us as players, access our Patreon, see some awesome fan art, and get links to other streams and podcasts where you can see us playing even more D&D. You can go to our website, www.dndlastrefuge.com. As always, I want to say an enormous thank you because we could not have made it through season nine, much less to a finale, without my story consultant, Robert Huff. And of course, I want to thank all of you for listening to 238 regular episodes, plus bonus episodes, and getting here to this point of our journey with us. I am your friendly neighborhood dungeon master, DM Jazzy Hands, and with me, I have... Zira Kid, Bria, and Flick. 
Happy gaming, y'all! I'm just gonna cry so bad when this whole thing is over. I'm oh my god, gonna, me too. I'm gonna die. Available on Steam, Nintendo Switch, Xbox, PS4, Apple's mo mobile app, Goop, uh, ma ma ma